You are tuned to CICK News on 93.9 FM in Smithers. CICK News is your news source for regional and provincial news Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 a.m., 2 p.m., and 4 p.m. It's hosted by Dan Messick and myself, Pamela Hassan. Find and follow CICK News online at smithersradio.com and frequencynews.ca or wherever you get your podcasts. CICK News is funded by the Community Radio Fund of Canada and the Government of Canada. Today on CICK News. This year, the Community and Business Excellence Awards, the CBEAs, will celebrate 100 years in Smithers. Pam is on the show today speaking with Executive Director of the Smithers Chamber of Commerce, Sheena Miller, about the nomination process, which is still open until Monday, February 12th. But first, with less than two years to go before the next federal election, parties and politicians are already jockeying to capture votes in the northwest riding of Skeenabogli Valley. Over the past six months, Pierre Polyev, the leader of the official opposition Conservatives, has visited the region twice and just last month announced current provincial MLA for Skeena, Ellis Ross, will challenge Member of Parliament Taylor Bacharach to represent Skeena Buckley Valley in Ottawa. Although the writ is far from being dropped, it appears that the race is already on. Today, we'll hear from current MP for Skeena Buckley Valley, Taylor Bacharach, about his return to the Hill for the spring sitting of Parliament and how he feels about the growing support for the Conservative Party in Northwest BC following the challenge by Ellis Ross. Stay with us. This is Taylor Backrack. I'm the Member of Parliament for Skeena Balkley Valley and I'm in Ottawa today uh, in West Block just off the chamber and um, talking to you from the unceded territories of the Anishinaabe and Algonquin people. Great, Taylor. Thanks so much for being with us again on CICK News. Um, of course, you're back in Ottawa for the spring sitting of Parliament. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what it's like being back in Ottawa after the break and what you're up to. What are some of the priorities you have on your uh, list going forward? For sure. Well, it's it's always a bit of an adjustment, uh, you, you know, the House getting back up and running in, in Parliament and, and the pace here is uh, is really hectic and hectic and and, uh, and superheated. Uh, but the time over the past couple months uh, back in the Northwest talking to folks about priorities, you know, it's given me uh, lots to work on. And every day we're, we're at it trying to, uh, you know, bring a strong voice for the region and, and advance the issues that I know people in the Northwest care about. Um, you said it's it's been heated, getting back chaotic and, being, and getting heated. What's What's heated? What's some of the conflict that's going on in Parliament right now? Sure. Well, you know, our our system is is somewhat adversarial, and and some of that is is by design. Um, we're living in a, a time where there's a lot of a lot of rhetoric and a lot of partisan game playing, unfortunately. And my approach to this has always been to try to, uh, you know, really focus on the issues, focus on getting things done for uh, my constituents in the Northwest, and and to do that with respect um, and. You know, sometimes when you when you sit in the House of Commons, it, it can be it can be hard to see um, that that respect that I think we all want to to see exemplified in our governance system. But um, we're really working hard to to move forward some of the priorities that we know really matter to Canadians. Uh, the, one of the biggest things we're focused on right now is the rollout of the new national dental care program. Uh, this is something that we fought very hard for. It's the biggest expansion of uh, universal health care 
um, in Canada in, in over 60 years. And uh, it's going to help over 9 million people, including seniors, people with disabilities, young people, visit the dentist, many of them for the first time. So I, I'm really excited about that because I've seen um, in our community uh, just what a profound uh, impact uh, dental problems have on people's health, um, especially for seniors. And so right now people are enrolling in that program and uh, we're going to be getting out there, my, my team and I, um, to help answer people's questions and encourage them to sign up. And uh, I think it's going to be um, a pretty profound thing for a lot of folks who yeah, can't afford no to go to the dentist. Um, it was reported on uh, earlier that the negotiations with the Liberal government around um, this, this dental care, uh, as well as pharma care, uh, has been pretty difficult, and and uh, the NDP leader Jagmeet Singh even saying that the Liberals have been have been slimy with some of their negotiations. Um, how has it been from your perspective in in dealing with the Liberal government and trying to get some of these uh, farmer care and dental care uh, pieces of legislation through? Well, especially farmer care and dental care are two priorities that we in the NDP have uh, been fighting for for a lot of years. And they're things that we've repeatedly brought forward in the House of Commons, and both Liberals and Conservatives have voted against numerous times. So we know that these are things that they're not naturally inclined to follow through on. Um, And so our job is to hold them accountable, to hold them to their commitment, and to ensure that these programs actually hit the ground and benefit Canadians. Uh, that That can be pretty challenging. Because in negotiating uh, with the government, we've, we've found that uh, they're not always good for their word. And, and that's incredibly frustrating. Um, but we're, we're persisting. We're, we're pushing on. And, and right now, as I said, the dental program is, is rolling out for seniors across Canada. Um, and we're going to hold the Liberals to their promise to, that they will meet the March deadline for a PharmaCare framework. Uh, Canada is the only uh, country in the world that has a universal health care system and lacks universal pharmacare. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. you know, th- there are millions of Canadians who can't afford the medications that their doctor prescribes. And if they can't afford the medications, they're not going to take them. And that means they're going to get sicker and they're going to end up in our emergency rooms. And, um, and so ensuring that people are able to afford medication that their doctor prescribes is really such an essential part of our overall approach to universal healthcare. And, uh, you know, it's an approach that is going to require participation from the provinces. Um, what the, we've managed to force the government to commit to is a legislative framework that will, uh, you know, provide the, the, the first step towards a full universal uh, pharmacare program. But uh, I've certainly talked to lots of, of people in the riding who would benefit from that, who are paying uh, really exorbitant prices for, for prescription medication and who are having to make some difficult choices because they can't, sometimes they can't afford uh, to pay the rent, to, to pay for the medication and to pay for, you know, things like their heating bill. And, and we don't think people should have to make those choices and making medication less expensive is, is a big part of making life more affordable. Yeah. Uh, it does sound like that these two issues, the pharma care as well as the dental care, are 
two top priorities for the NDP um, in holding uh, the Liberals accountable and also pushing them in the in the legislature. It sounds like there's a March deadline for this framework, as you mentioned. Um, how hard of a line is the NDP willing to take uh, on these two issues? If that March deadline comes and there's no framework, um, could we see an early election because of, of the Liberals not moving quick enough on these issues? It- we're hopeful that the government is going to follow through on its commitment and, and meet the March deadline. But our, our leader has been clear in the in the media that that's a, a hard date. And, um, you know, if the government chooses not to uh, follow through on its commitment, then it will it will suffer the consequences. Uh, the, the, the deadline mm-hmm. has already been extended once. It was, the legislation was supposed to be tabled uh, before the end of the year. Um, unfortunately, uh, we weren't able to finalize those negotiations. The government uh, didn't uh, agree to to our demands, and and we need to get, ensure that we get this right. So, um, the March deadline uh, is a is a firm date, and we'll we'll take things from there. Moving on, of course, uh, wanted to talk to you also about, uh, I mentioned there could be an election uh, in the near, not too distant future. Uh, Definitely it has to happen before the end of 2025, but here we are and we're already starting to see some of campaign style stops. Uh, As you had uh, mentioned, um, we saw a couple of weeks ago, Conservative leader Pierre Polyev in the writing um, they announced that that Ellis Ross will be running for the can- for the candidate uh, for the Conservatives in Skeena Bulkley Valley come the next election. I guess, firstly, what's your take on seeing the leader, Pierre Polyev, of the Conservatives here in the riding uh, twice in six months? It looks like they're really pushing hard to get some attention here in the riding. And, of course, announcing that, that Ellis Ross is going to leave provincial politics for federal and challenge you in the next election. What do you make of all of this? Well, as we get closer to elections, we often see the the leaders of other parties uh, coming into into the Northwest. And, you know, I hope while they were here, they uh, Mr. Polly have learned a little bit about uh, the region and what people's priorities are. Um, you know, my focus is on delivering for people, delivering for communities and people in the Northwest remember what it was like under a conservative government. Uh, a government under Stephen Harper that uh, Pierre Polyev was part of, a, a prominent part of. And in our region, that was those were difficult times for people. We saw really devastating cuts. We saw a government that pushed um, projects that communities and First Nations didn't want, uh, pushed them ahead anyway. And um, we saw a government that was really, uh, you know, pretty... Um, I, I don't think they they really understood or responded to the needs of the region. Um, so you mentioned that the conservative leader was recently in Prince Rupert. And one of the questions I had was whether when he was in Prince Rupert, uh, he talked to folks about the uh, uh, really desperate situation facing their drinking water infrastructure. So Prince Rupert needs they need a significant federal investment in their water infrastructure, which is on the brink of catastrophic collapse. And this is an issue that I've been working on now for the past year. Uh, I think we're making progress with the federal government. But uh, when we talk about, uh, you know, a party that wants to form the next government, these are the kinds of issues that they need to answer for communities. Um, There are other issues as well. This is a, you know, this is a party that has 
promised to tear up the oil tanker moratorium that people in the Northwest uh, worked so hard to establish that protects our coast and, and our, our watersheds from the threat of, of oil spills. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think for uh, my new opponent, it would be uh, important for him to voice his position on that. It was actually a, a, pro- a project or, or rather it was a, a moratorium that at the time he supported and now uh, he's throwing his lot in with a party that has very clearly stated they'll repeal that legislation uh, as quickly as possible. So, you know, the the uh, Northwest is full of uh, pretty awesome folks who are always keen to engage in the issues and, and share about their values. And um, my focus is really to uh, keep my nose to the grindstone. I, I promised when I first ran that I'd be someone who shows up in communities and that fights hard for people. And uh, I'm doing that every day here in the House of Commons. Um, just the other day, I was up uh, calling on the government to increase the tax deduction for volunteer firefighters and search and rescue teams um, who play such incredibly important roles in in protecting our communities. Um, We're working to protect rural post offices, which is an issue you and I have talked about in the past. Uh, We're working on affordable housing. And, and, you know, there's another issue where I think uh, the conservative policy approach really doesn't reflect the needs of rural communities. Um, their approach on housing has been to, to browbeat uh, so-called municipal gatekeepers and to force housing density around transit hubs. Well, you know, the Northwest doesn't have transit hubs. We barely have public transit. And what municipal leaders have told me is that they need infrastructure. If they're going to expand housing in communities like Terrace and Prince Rupert and Smithers and Kitimat, um, it's that core infrastructure that really needs investment. And that's what allows communities to expand the supply of housing that we know is so important right now. So those are going to be my focuses. And, and we've talked about the red dress alert as well and the issue of murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls. We're, we're pushing hard on that and uh, hopeful that the federal government will support our call for a red dress alert system. Um, and and bringing forward legislation to lower grocery prices as well. So I could I could go on at length, Dan, uh, all the different things that we're working on to to try to make life better for folks in the Northwest. But uh, my focus right now is on the issues, on representing our amazing amazing region here in Ottawa, and uh, and on getting out there to communities as much as I possibly can. Um, just the last one for you, Taylor, really quick. Uh, you know, you mentioned that. You know, a lot of what Pierre Polyev was talking when he was here on his tour um, may not align with a lot of rural communities. Um, they may be out of step. But, it, you know, it seems that we could say the same thing as, uh, about the liberal, federal liberal government, which the, the NDP are obviously supporting um, to keep in power. But at the same time, the money that is waiting to come to Prince Rupert, the federal funds that is waiting to come to Prince Rupert um, so that they can start working on the infrastructure around the water situation is contingent on seeing that federal government, uh, the federal money move in a little bit quicker. They have money from themselves as well as the provincial government, and they're waiting on the feds. Uh, how are you going to push the federal government to make this final decision to see that those funds flow to Prince Rupert as this this is an immediate need, as you mentioned, they're, they're near catastrophic failure of their water system if this doesn't happen relatively soon. So how are you going to kind of square that, push the federal uh, liberals to, to see that happen now rather than, um, you know, wait to see what another government might do. 
For sure. I, I've met with the current Minister of Infrastructure several times. Uh, I've made a, him very aware of the situation in Prince Rupert. Uh, he's also had a chance to, to meet with the mayor of Prince Rupert and with others. Um, I think he, he does understand the urgency of this situation. Um, the city has put in a grant proposal and, and our job now is to uh, keep the pressure on and to ensure that we get a timely response out of this government so that uh, the municipal crews in Prince Rupert, they can tender the contracts and, and order the pipe and, and make sure that um, those pipes get in the ground as soon as possible so that that, that system can be uh, safeguarded. And, and the city, you know, it's really going to put the city uh, in a place where uh, they can build more housing, where they can move forward with other projects, knowing that that critical infrastructure is taken care of. So I, I'm optimistic at this point. Um, but we still haven't haven't seen the, the, the final announcement, and I'm hopeful uh, that we'll get that very soon. All right, Taylor, we'll leave it there for now. But uh, as usual, I'm much obliged to you for answering my questions. Great to talk to you, Dan. Thanks so much for your interest, and uh, good luck out there. That was Member of Parliament for Skeena-Bulkley Valley, Taylor Backrack. Coming up next, Pam checks in with the Executive Director of the Smithers Chamber of Commerce, Sheena Miller. Can you tell me what the awards are actually all about? Yeah, I think like very simply said, the main goal is really to truly enhance and share success stories across Smithers and across the greater region here. Sheena Miller, Executive Director of the Smithers District Chamber of Commerce. So 100 years of the Chamber Awards for Business Excellence. What do you think is the secret to this success? You know, if I really have to think about the Community Business Excellence Awards and what the success is behind it, it's truly It's not just business and entrepreneurs, it's actually service groups and volunteers Mm -hmm. that drive the community and drive the economy. So much of what happens that makes Smithers incredible is actually on the back of volunteers. And that's something that's really neat. And, but the cool relationship is that the business community drives that like they, they support local so that our volunteers can do what they do best. So we have this really cool synergy with chamber members and the business community where they, they support local themselves. And, you know, that allows like so many cool projects to happen driven by volunteers so there's that cool relationship and I think that's what makes Smithers unique and different and just a place that so many people want to reside in and we just see so many young people moving up here so again it's the entertainment it's all these other sectors that make Smithers so cool and in a place that people want to work and do business in yeah so how does the chamber continue to foster businesses in Smithers and I guess in your time here what have been some of your the best takeaways from your point of view yeah like it's it's always the question you know (laughs) what does the chamber of commerce do like it's it's like we've been in business for 100 years and people still don't get what the chamber does so it's kind of an anomaly that that's still like you know what is the chamber you know even as I look to kind of like my poster here on the wall there's all these core services that the chamber does and it's it's the advocacy it's you know providing benefits and perks for the community it's community connection, communications. It's representing the business community and greater community on many committees and on many projects. Like the chamber really has the voice to represent the business community on every committee in this town, pretty much. You know, there's there's a few we're not a part of, but we're involved in a lot. And a lot of that's, again, advocacy and, and you know, a bit of the lobbying and the liaison work that we do that no one sees. Yeah. But it's something that we're doing behind the, like, you know, behind the scenes here, and so there's all kinds of advocacy things that we do. And, and a lot of what we do is try to support, you know, create support local messaging on all levels. So we do regional campaigns like the Live Love Local. 
Plat Friday, all kinds of like mini campaigns to keep money and keep all of the resources recirculating in the in the general economy. So we're really big proponents of the circular economy messaging. Mm-hmm. So chambers like really take that to heart. We're involved in a lot of industry projects behind the scenes. And again, a lot of that's like hard to explain, but it's just work that's actually happening behind the scenes. So I guess it's just evolving decade to decade. Tell me about the upcoming awards. How can businesses and individuals participate in nominating locals for the works that they do in our community? And also if you would include the deadline. Yeah, so as it stands right now, we're just really encouraging everyone around to please nominate. We have several categories to nominate in. So you, you, pretty much anyone that's, again, a mover or a shaker or someone that's doing great work, you can find a category to nominate them in. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to nominate them multiple times. Like one nomination is enough to get their name into the system or, or I guess the process. And so the deadline is Friday. We might extend it till Monday because next Monday is actually the kickoff of Cha- Provincial Chamber of Commerce Week. Oh. So we thought we might just leave it one more day so that people can you know, get all their nominations in like Friday or Monday. But essentially, we're asking everyone to get those nominations in. Think about around you who makes a difference. And you know, whether it's a, a secretary at a certain business or it's you know, a, a really creative entrepreneur or it's someone that's doing great nonprofit work. Like who's making a difference in this community? Who lifts this community up? And I think that if you can think and identify some of those people, take 10 minutes to, you know, fill out a job form link and tell us about that. And the job form link, you can find it on our social media accounts. So we have that on Instagram flagged. We have it on Facebook. The chamber's been sending it out. We've had it kind of on radio. We've had it in the paper. But yeah, just check our, the quickest way is just check social media or give us a call at the chamber office. We can send out the QR code to you or, or get you the link into your email account, whatever's easiest. Yeah. But essentially that jot form link is everywhere right now. So just look for it. It should be easy to find. Take that time to fill it out. And again, just help celebrate the people that are doing great work. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about what the chamber needs aside from nominations right now in this process? Yeah. So putting on an awards project like this is like like just the basic, basic costs are about $25,000 mm-hmm. to actually go through the awards process and then to host a gala. So there's, and, and that doesn't even cover chamber admin time. It doesn't cover a lot of the other outstanding expenses. Putting on events is just very, very challenging. And, and again, in this economic landscape, it's costly. Yeah. So we're just looking for anyone that might have capacity to support any elements of the event gala or the awards process. So we are like very thankful and, and hoping for some sponsorships to come in as well as, you know, we can always use support in terms of someone on the ground. Like if anyone wants to show up at the gala and actually help string lights up, you know, right. we could use support because I think people forget it's lost on them that we're actually a nonprofit ourselves that has to find funding to make all these elements happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if anyone has capacity, we encourage them to reach out. And even if it's just, you want to show up and help to help with the decor at the gala, we'd appreciate that too. How else can people participate in the event? Yeah, I would just say nominate, like be a part yeah. of the process. Like the biggest thing right now is, again, it, not everyone has capacity to sponsor and not everyone has capacity to volunteer. So I would just say just nominate. Like yeah. that is the single easiest thing to do. Take 10 minutes or even five minutes out of your day. And again, pay that I, pay that energy forward. Yeah. You know, like think about who's great. Think, think about who's moving the dial on projects or who's just influencing you in your life and nominate them. And that, I think paying it forward, like that's a really great approach to getting involved. And it's very simple. And it does kind of support that sort of successful small town mentality as well, is that you, you know, we're a small enough town that you do know, probably people when they hear this, they think of someone right away that they might nominate. So I guess I think it's nice too to just reiterate that 
if you're thinking of them, nominate them. 100%. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of really challenging issues in our community across northern BC, but I just sometimes think we need to pause that thinking just for a few minutes and then think about positivity and yeah. find things that we can do to make our community better. And this is one simple thing we can do right now in live time to, again, it's not going to necessarily change or impact the things that are challenging but it, it, it can help you know just generate some positivity in a time we need it so yeah. um is there anything else that I didn't ask about that you want to include in this conversation yeah just I would just say that get involved in in this awards process right now no later than Monday Monday the 12th I believe yeah. And that week is also Chamber of Commerce week. And so members of the public, the business community, greater community, everyone's welcome to get involved in Chamber of Commerce week. We try to do as much free programming for the community as possible. So we have different opportunities during that week to get involved, including an open house on the 12th, where we're inviting community to come on in, explore what the chamber does. We're going to have Stellar J making some awesome Americanos. Makes, yeah, Rustica <laughs> makes bakeries. She's going to be in here and with her Rustica pastries like we're gonna have some delicious things and so we just invite people to come into the chamber of commerce explore what we do and you know get involved in chamber of commerce week excellent well thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today i appreciate it and i really appreciate all the awesome nonprofit work that you guys do at cick you've been listening to cick news if you have any hot tips or news stories you think we should cover contact us at cick news at smithersradio.com or follow us on Facebook at CICK News. CICK News is made possible by the Government of Canada and the Community Radio Fund of Canada, the only organization mandated to financially supporting campus and community radio stations across Canada. You can also catch our fresh shows each week at theskina.com or subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks to our producer Pam Hassan and all of our roving reporters, I'm Dan Messick. Thanks for listening.